Well, this morning we're talking about goodness, and goodness, uh, translated in English, goodness is, sounds kind of confusing, but it's really the word where we get integrity, integrity, and so I thought this would be a good video to kind of open up the topic, and uh, we're going to get to that topic just after this video ends, so let's enjoy this real quick. John, let me stop you right there. I realize it may be easier doing it this way. I just don't feel right about it. I know we may lose a contract, and you know what? I just don't care. I just don't want it to appear like we're cheating people. I can't be concerned what other people are doing. This is not how I'm gonna run my business. You've been great on the project, and I'm not trying to ruffle feathers. I'm really not. It's just that it's not who I want to be. Okay, you too. See you Monday. Hey kid, what's for dinner? Pizza or tacos? So one sheet, it's multiple choice. And remember, you have plenty of time for this test. So take your time. Don't make any careless errors. Be sure to answer all of the questions. And remember, eyes on your own paper, all right? Did you study for this? No, I had baseball last night. Did you? A little. I think I got it. You can look at mine if you want. I don't care. You sure? Yeah. I just... It's not who I want to be. Somebody once asked Billy Graham, what is the definition of integrity? And he said, integrity is simply being the same person in private that you are in public. It's about being real, about being honest, about not compromising our values simply to fit into the culture. See, there's a lot of compromise today. We see it, we feel it, perhaps sometimes we're a part of it. Too much of our compromises is rooted in trying to fit into the world's image and forgetting that we were made in the image of God. Honesty, being trustworthy, respectful, restrained, compassionate, merciful, reliable, loving, joyful, peaceful, and patient. These are all attributes of God's integrity. And it is that integrity that has been stamped upon us as we have been made in the image of God. God wants to produce an integrous person in us. A person where when we walk into the room, someone looks and says, now there goes a person of integrity right there. A powerful person indeed. You see, Jesus said, he taught the story about you can build your house either on the rock or on the sand. And the moral of the story is if you build your house on the rock, the rock is a stern, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, a firm and steady foundation that when the storms of life rise up against it, your house won't fall because it's anchored to the rock. Jesus said the reason why you don't want to build your house on the sand is when the storm comes, the house that's sitting on the sand will fall because it has a very loose foundation. And the storms of life will come. The temptations will come. 
the testing of our integrity is as guaranteed as death and taxes. It will come. Too often we learn to wear hats. We learn to wear masks. And we've become quite good at playing the part that fits our situation. I noticed myself sometimes, not so much here, because I feel very comfortable to be real around you. (laughs) That is the one gift you have given me. I feel like I can just take it all off in front of you. So thank you for that. But when when I go to pastor's meetings, you know, that are district meetings or divisional meetings, whatever, I, sometimes I, I, I find myself playing that pastor hat, you know, and I go in and I, I don't know, I become like effeminate or something, you know. Oh, hi, Brother Paul. How you doing, Pastor Tim? You know, and all of a sudden I'm like, who is this guy and what did you do with Tom Nackey? Because we have become so good at putting on hats and putting on masks and playing the role that we have been called, that we have, that we have been told we need to play in any given situation. Some of you who are in the sales industry, you've lear- you could get an Academy Award for learning how to read a room. Some of you who are in the social services industry seamlessly slip from one hat to another as you try to gain trust with people. Some of you who are businessmen do whatever it takes to try to make the math work. Compromise, even subtle compromise is all too easy. Integrity is not about being perfect, all right? When you talk about a boat's integrity, we're talking about it being perfect. When you talk about a house's integrity, we're talking about being perfect. When you're talking about the integrity of a human being this side of heaven, we're not talking about being perfect. We're talking about being honest and presenting the real you and not the fake you. Because if, you, if we don't, in time, we're going to start to begin to believe the introductions people say about us. <laughs> and pretty soon, we'll begin to become deluded in and of ourselves, living in a fantasy rather than a reality. Integrity is when the inside matches the outside, and when the outside matches the inside, and when both the inside and the outside match the God we serve. And that's a very important statement there. Integrity for someone who follows Jesus may be different than integrity for someone who doesn't. For someone who follows this or follows that or follows that teaching. Part of how people should tell that we are followers of Jesus is that we match on the inside and the outside the integrity with which Jesus would have lived his life. Now, there's one exception. Jesus was perfect, okay? So we won't walk this out perfectly. You may say, well, if we can't walk it out perfectly, why even teach on it? Because like everything in life, we make this a priority. Even if I'm not perfect at something, I can still make it first in my life. Amen? Making the integrity of God something I live by is something that I want to make first in my life. In fact, you can talk to the people I work with, the staff here and all that. I go to great lengths to make sure everything in the church is completely integrous. I remember one time I got a call from a pastor. He said, hey, let's go have lunch. This this wasn't when I lived here. It was when I lived in Washington. I said, fine, that's great. And so we're sitting down for lunch, and you know what he said to me? He said, we need to talk about something church-related for a moment. Now, when I go out to lunch and it's not not church, you know, it's not for being a pastor, I'm just going out with a friend, 
Believe it or not, I don't want to talk about church, all right? If I talked about church all day long, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, five years a week, whatever, you get what I'm saying, you know, I will go nuts. So sometimes I love to talk about the Mariners or the Seahawks when I lived up there. That's what I talked about. Now I talk about other teams. Anyway, you know, I love to do all that, but he's, I want to talk, we need to talk about church for a minute. And instantly I got why. He's going to expense this to his church. So without missing a beat, I said, you know what? I was just thinking of something. I'd love to treat you to lunch today. And you should have seen the look on his face. He got it. He got it. I just saved him from not operating in integrity. I'd rather be out the 20 bucks at Taco Bell and have the favor of God on my integrity than to cheat the church and have God going, really? Seriously? Come on, Tom. Come on. Another time, I remember I was working at Subway when I was in college. And I worked the 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift because that Subway was open 24 hours because it was on a college campus. And one time, I was there all by myself. And there was supposed to be another girl that came in and helped me. And I, I was single at the time, and she was female. You can do the math. And uh, I remember she called me up, and she said, Hey, Tom, I'm running late. I'm on my way. Can you clock in for me? And I tell you, for about a nanosecond, which is an eternity for me, I thought to myself, I ought to do it because if I don't, I'll never get a date with this girl. And then after that split nanosecond, you know what I thought? Do I really want to have a date with this girl? If she cheats on her time clock, who knows where she's going to be cheating elsewhere. So I, I, I said, I, I just, she could hear the silence on the phone, and I finally I just said, you know, Krista, I can't do that. I'm sorry. Uh, I just can't do that. If, I, I wish I'd have thought of the line from that video. Hey, Krista, it's just not who I want to be. <laughs> Isn't that a good one? That's that, you got to keep that one. That's a good idea. I'm sorry. It's just not who I want to be. You know, it's so indicting of the other person. <laughs> so... But I, I, I remember just that tug of, you know what, I, I can't clock in for you early. Why? Because it's a matter of integrity. I may not be perfect. I have a lot of faults. Believe me, even as a pastor 22 years later, I am still going through a lot, still trying to overcome things from my childhood. But the one thing I don't want to be is fake, dishonest, sneaky, secretive, hiding so that I'm afraid that I may do something outside of church and you see me and go, wow, he's way different outside of church. No, I want the public to match the private and the private to match the public. Why? Because we're not just walking our lives before each other. We're living and walking our lives before the God who sees us and the God who serves us and the God who loves us, amen? <clears throat> In John chapter one, uh, Jesus is calling the apostles, and one of them he's about to call is called Nathaniel. And so uh, Philip, one of the one of the apostles, runs to get Nathaniel, and he says, "Nathaniel, Nathaniel, we found who we think is the Messiah." And this is Nathaniel's first sentence about Jesus: the fact that he came from Nazareth. All right, this is somebody said to me once. This is like somebody saying, you know, they came from like the worst armpit area of california you know whatever you may believe that to be and i've heard about bakersfield i know i've heard about 12 of them so far and 
And Barstow seems to get the trophy. I don't know, no, nothing against Barstow, but I just hear that the most. Anyway, uh, so this is Nathaniel's response. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? The village had a reputation for being dishonest and cheatful. And that's the village God raised his son in. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Philip said, come and see. And when, Nathanael saw, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, now here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He didn't say here's an Israelite who's morally perfect. Here's an Israelite who has never sinned. He said, here's an Israelite that doesn't lie. That's, a, that's an amazing thing. That caught Jesus' attention. Wouldn't, wouldn't you love God to say, boy, here is a Californian with no deceit. Do those even exist? You know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All of you are that kind of Californian, right? <laughs> you know, we go to the story, remember in Genesis chapter 20, we've got Abraham and Sarah. And there's a drought where Abraham is living. A drought means there's no water, there's no food. They've got to go and find water and food. And when they go and find it, they find it in the lands of another king. In those days, uh, you know, typically when a tribe moved into another king's land, it was very customary for that king to not, not necessarily take, but ask for one of the women. He would... Uh, kind of marry, kind of marry that woman, but, but have a child with that woman, and that would bring peace between the incoming tribe and the current kingdom, right? So this happens. Abraham knows that they're going to take one look at the royal lady of his tribe, one look at Sarah, and the king's going to want her. So he says to Sarah, I want you to lie for us, and I want you to say that this is my brother and that you are my sister, because they had some semblance of honor, then if you can call this honor, they would probably kill off the dude so they could honorably get the girl. So he says, I don't want to die, so you just say you're my sister, I'll say you're your brother, and when he takes you, he won't kill me. Does that sound like integrity to you? No. And God, and God sees that, and I'm sure God is very frustrated with Abraham, but he's got a real problem on his hands now. He's got this king that has taken Abraham's wife, and Abraham's wife is supposed to have the child of promise, Isaac, and we can't dilute it with the seed of this king, so now he's got to come, and he's got to have a conversation with the king. He says, all these bad things are happening to you because you took another man's wife. Now, this king didn't know. He thought it was his sister. This is what he says in Genesis 20, verse 5 and 7. He says, did he not say to me, she's my sister? Did she not also say he's my brother? They're both in on this lie. The king says, I've done this with a clean conscience and clean hands. The king is showing integrity. I'm clean. And God said to him, yes, I know you are. Man, I love, I love to say, God, I'm clean in this. And for God to say, yes, Tom, I know you are. I know you. They lied to you. He says, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have not kept you from sinning against me. That's why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die. You know what this passage tells me? Our integrity is a big deal to God. 
who we lie to, who we cheat, the corners that we cut, the little things that we think, oh, it's no big deal. No, the, our integrity is a big, big deal to God. The church had just bought me a wonderful computer, best computer I've ever seen in my life. And because my other computer was breaking down. Well, in order to get the stuff from my other computer to the new computer, I had to clean up the other computer. In the process of cleaning up the other computer, I found that there were like 10 or 12 programs loaded on that, what do you call those, spyware, malware, phishingware, whatever they are, programs that are not supposed to be there. They, they, they load up. And, and, and so they, they made the computer seem like it was dying. I deleted all that, cleaned everything out, and all of a sudden... It's like my old computer was brand new again. And I have a decision. I have a brand new one here and a perfectly good one here. It's an issue of integrity. I don't need this new one yet. Maybe I'll need it in a few months, but I don't need it today. The reason I needed it is gone because this one now works just fine. So it's a matter of integrity. You take it back and say, you know what, God, when the time comes, the time comes, but the time's not now. This is what God is watching us. Remember the story of David and Bathsheba. David, for most of his life, does great things. I mean, we can hammer on David a lot because this one event kind of really taints him. And it's bad. Uh, he, he, he views a woman taking a shower. I mean, why he built the showers beneath his palace? Well, we know why. Anyway, he built the showers beneath his palace, and he sees her, and he says, that's, I want that one. The problem is that's another man's wife. He takes her. They have a night together, and she ends up pregnant. Well, now he's got to try to get the husband to come home and be with his wife so that they think it's his baby. The husband must have looked like David. Uh, that's what I'm thinking, you know. And so, so, but he doesn't do it. He says, wait a minute, we're at war. I'm not going to go and enjoy a night with my wife when all of my other soldiers are out there fighting the battle for you, O king. Isn't it terrible? The man that David is trying to cheat is showing more integrity than the king at that moment. So the king does something that ha he has every right to do, but his motive is so evil you can just feel it. He writes a letter to the commander and says, send the husband to the front, and just as you're at the vanguard of your assault, pull the other troops back and let him get taken out by the wall or by the enemy. And it happens. The commander doesn't like it either. The commander sniffs it, and he knows. David has just now compromised his integrity. Let me tell you this right now. Your reputation, not your bank account, not your house, not your car, your reputation is the most valuable thing you have. If you lose it, doesn't matter how much money you have. Nobody trusts you. Everybody tolerates you. Nobody celebrates you. Your reputation is the most important thing you have. This is what the messenger comes and brings David this news, and David's told the messenger this. He says, say this to Joab. Don't let this upset you. Because when we don't act in integrity, it's, it's upsetting. Don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. Press the attack. Destroy the city. And say this. Say this to encourage Joab. When Uriah's wife, that's Bathsheba, heard that her husband was dead, she mourned. This is her husband. She mourned for him. And after the time of mourning was over, 
David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. Not Solomon, another son who wouldn't make it. Look at the very last line there. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David thought, I got away with it. I got away with everything. I had a perfect plan, and it was perfectly executed, and I am perfectly off the hook. The dude is dead. She's now my wife. We can have this son. It was a perfect plan. There's only one problem with that perfect plan. God saw it. God saw right through it. And eventually that perfect plan ripped through David's house like a tornado, caused a civil war. Never again would David have what he had before Bathsheba. It would forever taint his kingdom because integrity is a big, big deal to God. A couple of things to take home and then we'll go ahead and pray. First of all, number one, integrity is the foundation of a successful spirit-filled life. Not talent, not production, not personality, not achievement, integrity. The opposite of integrity is hypocrisy. It's showing people the pretend you. Now, you can gain things. Don't get me wrong. You can gain a lot by ditching your integrity. You can gain a lot by acting dishonest. You can gain a lot, but you'll lose the favor of God. If Scripture confirms anything time and time again, God does not bless dishonesty. God does not bless a lack of integrity. Think of it this way. It is better to have favor with God than to have favor with people. Yeah, you may lose the account. Yeah, this may happen. Yeah, that may happen. But so long as you preserve your integrity, you will have that favor of God. And it is better to have that than whatever gain you may have posted by acting dishonestly, cheating somebody, or robbing another employee of what they're supposed to get as well. People who have integrity, they don't take stuff from work. I remember once uh, when we were here, one of my kids wanted to take home a pencil. I said, that's not our pencil. Dad, it's just a pencil. Son, it starts out as just a pencil. And then 10 years down the road, I'm embezzling 50 grand from the church. I don't, you don't even start with the pencil. One act leads to another, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until pretty soon it's like this. Now, my other son was walking out with a pen, and my son said, hey, I couldn't take a pencil, but look, he's got the pen. Somebody got one of those blue pens, those blue life point pens? Hold it up, Kiana. See that blue life point pen? Why was it okay for my one son to take the pen, but my other son not to take Carmen's pencil? Advertising. Because the pens are for you to take home, all right? It's not stealing. We bought the pens so that ever, whoever needs a pen, they can take it and they can take it home. And I had to tell my son that. No, no, no. There's a difference. These pens were bought so that you could take them if you wanted them. See what I'm saying? That's integrity. It's knowing what you can, what you can freely take and what you don't. My first house. I went to... The, the, I went to go and look at something that I thought was the telephone box because our telephone was glitching. When I opened it up, I saw something that just didn't look like it needed to be there. I couldn't figure it out. And so finally I had somebody from the church I was attending come over and say, 
who's in telecommunications, said, can you look at this? He started laughing. <laughs> he goes, your neighbor's stealing cable out of this box. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Yep, he is. So I went over, I knocked on the door, and out comes this big, burly guy who, I mean, his breath was awful and his fists were ready to go, you know? Just somebody I didn't want to be next to. I said, hey, man, uh, are you the one that's taking cable out of that? Yeah, what's it to you? Come on, cable companies make all that money anyway. Uh, yes, yeah, sir. Well, my line goes in there, too, and I'd like you to take it out. Oh, I, 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 I mean, he got so upset with me, and I'm, like, backing off. You know, you don't, you don't stick your hand out in front of a pit bull, right? You know, I'm backing off. I said, you know what, sir? That, that's okay. You know what? I think I'll just call the cable company. I'll just take care of it myself. So as I'm walking away, I see him. He's walking out of my house. He never said anything. He walked my house, and he watched me walk over to my property. And I remember thinking to myself, this is where I probably should own a gun right now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so you know, I, had, I had a cable company come out. They ripped everything out. I said, look, if I have to pay for anything, and this the cable guy, he almost fainted when I said this. I don't know how long this has been here. But if I have to pay for anything to make this right, you just put it on my bill, and I'll pay for it to make sure you weren't cheated. I remember he kind of gave me this look like, who does that? Who says that? A person who wants the favor of God on his finances says and does things like that. Now, you know me. I'm normally self, very self-deprecating, all right? So I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm trying to say these are examples where you can begin to see the favor of God falling on different things. Calling in sick for work. Half the people, how, how, how many billions of dollars does the U.S. economy suffer? Because people aren't sick. They just don't feel like doing it today. They just don't feel like going into work. Uh, same with volunteer stuff. If you've made a commitment, unless you need to go to the ER, you go. Unless you're contagious, you go. God sees if you wake up and you're just a little bit of tired and you're going to lie and say, oh, I'm sick, I don't feel good. No, you're not. You're tired. God sees that. He says, you know what? If you're tired, say, can you give me 15 minutes? Go take an Advil. Splash some water on your face. Get a quad shot at Starbucks. Show up. You're going to be just fine. I promise you that. You're going to be just fine. <laughs> I remember once somebody said, you know what? I don't know if I can work with him. This was at a church. <laughs> I don't know if I can work with him. I said, why? I said, well, he's my friend in public, but in private he talks about me behind my back. I said, do you have proof of this? He said, go ask him. <laughs> well, I did. I went and asked him. He said, yeah, I do kind of, I, I don't really like him. I do kind of trash talk him behind his back. I didn't say anything at the moment. I went back to the other guy and said, you know what? You don't need to work with him. In fact, we're going to be phasing him out we're gonna go in a different direction you know because I, I just don't tolerate i don't tolerate it at all the moment i find out there's gossip it's an issue of integrity for me if you hey i don't mind that you have a problem with somebody but you go and you say it to their face you don't be a weasel and talk about them behind their back why because god sees that how many of you have ever sold a car in the state of California? Yeah. And how many of you have had someone say, hey, uh, can you put 100 bucks on the sale price for me? Why? Because you have to pay less sales tax that way, right? 
Recently, I just sold um, a broken down truck. And as I was selling, I'm trying to fill it out. He's like, hey, 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 you, you think you can, uh, you can put 100 bucks on there for me? And he's saying it in like broken English, half Spanish. But a lack of integrity is a lack of integrity in any language. And it doesn't, you don't even need to understand what he's saying in order to understand what he's saying. And I said, no, sir, I'm sorry. I, I have to put the price down that I sold it for. And I could tell he wasn't too happy about that. Probably every other guy in California, that's what they did for him. I said, look, I'm, I, I'm not, I, somebody else is watching me, dude, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to lose the favor of God of my blessing from him just to save you, what, a few tens of dollars? I'll tell you what, I'll give you the hundred bucks if that means that much to you, and I want to keep my integrity for God. Amen? Amen. How many of you have ever had this? Somebody's knocking at the door. You've got a headache. You're on the couch. Your kid's right next to you, and you say, hey, go to the door and tell them mommy's sick. Go to the door and tell them, you know, go, go, go tell them mommy's not home. You know what you've just asked your kid to do? Lie for you. You know what they're going to grow up and do? Lie. Right? Don't ask your kids to lie for you. Don't, and then don't explain it to them later why you had to lie. You sound even more stupid than when you asked them to lie for you in the first place. It all comes back to integrity. Integrity is the foundation for a successful spirit-filled life. Number two, ask God to guide and bless you before you make a commitment. Uh, probably my first or second year here, I think before Carmen was even doing the books, I, I get a call from, from Matt, who was, the other, who was our administrator before Carmen, he said, hey, we, we've got a situation here. We got a, we got a big check that just bounced, that, that didn't, you know, it was NSA, was it? NS, NSF, NSF. So I, I mean, and it was a sizable check. So I, I look at it, I'm like, okay, I know who this is. And I, I call him and we have a meeting and I, I hand a check. I say, hey, this, this is very generous of you, but it bounced. Oh. And I was like, well, what happened? He's like, well, you know what? I just believed that that's the number God wanted me to put on that check, and I believe that, and I just had faith that the finances were going to hit before that check was cashed. I said, where in the world did you ever get that idea? I've been going to Pentecostal churches all my life. I said, Pentecostal churches, my foot. I said, I don't know what Pentecostal church you've been to, but this Pentecostal church believes that you write a check for money that you have, not money that you don't have. And he was like, Okay, Pastor, yeah, that probably is a better way to do it. Now listen, <laughs> I don't, sometimes, every now and then I do kind of scratch my head like, was this not obvious? It's not obvious to everybody. But anyway, now there are exceptions. I remember one time I was going to drop out of seminary because I didn't have enough money to pay the tuition. And, I, and I'm a firm believer. You only, you only pay with what you pay. Uh, and so I didn't, I didn't, you know, I was going to drop out. And, and here's the thing. And you'll get to this point. I began to discern the voice of the Lord so clearly. And you learn this. The longer you walk with Jesus, you learn this. And I felt God say, no, don't drop out. I'm going to cover the bill. What? Don't. I'm going to cover the bill. And so I stayed. And, and, and for, for a guy like me, David and Carmen, they, they can tell you, I was pulling my hair out every day. I was not at peace every day that bill was not paid and I was still registered. It was an issue of integrity. 
And it was, oh man, it was just a few days out from the deadline. And I'm beginning to question whether I can hear God at all. Where all of a sudden, somebody approaches me and says, I feel God calling me to cover your tuition for this semester. In fact, I felt it like a month ago, and I resisted it, but you know what? I'm not going to resist it anymore. I would like to pay for this quarter. And you know what my first thought was? Do you know what you put me through over this last month? (laughs) Number three, if you have to hide it, it's probably not integrity. If you have to hide it, the fruit of goodness is that you do not have to worry about being caught because there's nothing to catch, right? In fact, you hope people do catch your example. You hope you do get caught. Now, that's not to say that there aren't things in our lives that are somewhat secretive, right? Uh, you know, if, if my wife showed up next Sunday and we announced, hey, we're having another child, it's no secret how that child got there, and it, wouldn't, it doesn't mind me. I'm married to her. It's okay. We all have a secretive part of our lives. doesn't mean that if something's got exposed, you know, it would be the end of the world. Uh, you know, I, I, I noticed the other day, I've got a little bit of gray hair. A little bit. A little bit. And I thought to myself, you know what? I don't want to tell the church or tell anybody. I'll just get a little bit of that brush-in blonde, you know? Wait a minute, I just told you. See, you know, okay, so that's a little secret vein thing in my life. And yes, I may do it in secret and you'll never know, but if you found out, I don't care. It's not an issue of integrity. It's just a little bit of personal privacy. But there are some things we do. Man, if other people found out, we would be humiliated in shame. If you have to hide it, It's probably not integrity. Joel Osteen, he's, he's, you know, all the newspapers are constantly picking at that guy, right? He has a great quote that really applies great for him. I don't know if it would apply so much to me, but for him, he said, this is a rule I live by. He says, don't do anything today, Joel, that you wouldn't want to read about in the paper tomorrow. And I thought, that's a good way to live. You know, don't do anything that you wouldn't want to just have the Californian write about it and everybody reads it. Number four, if you have to talk yourself into it, then it's probably not integrity. You'll notice you'll start justifying, well, the insurance company has billions of dollars. They can afford it. It's just a little bit of cheating. Oh, well, you know what? I don't get paid a lot of money, so if I take a little bit of this and I take a little bit of that, I'm just evening out the scales. No, you're stealing. You're justifying. If you have to talk yourself into it, talk yourself out of it because you're probably talking yourself into something dishonest that compromises your integrity. And then number five, God will test our integrity. God will love you. God will bless you. God will forgive you. God will hug you. God will do all those warm, fuzzy things, but God will also test you. He will. You know why? Because he wants us to have the joy of proving to God that he can trust us. You know, I've made a lot of mistakes. I really have. But when it comes to certain things, there's a joy I walk around with saying, you know what, God, 
for the most part, I feel very confident in saying, you can trust me in this area. And there's a joy that you get when you pass the tests. There's a joy that you get when each time you're tempted and you overcome the temptation and your integrity gets strengthened and your resolve becomes more firm. Don't let cutting the small corners of life keep you from the big future God has for you. Listen to me. I've seen far too many people. They're always cutting the small corners of life. And you know what ends up happening? They have a small life. And they become a small person. And I'm not talking about how tall they are. Don't let the small cutting corners keep you from the big plans, from the big God, for the big life that he has for you. Amen? There's a story. I'll close with this. Worship team, if you want to come on forward. There's a story of uh, a man in Texas who was quite wealthy, and he had a friend who was a builder. And the builder was, well, he was having a little trouble finding some work. So the friend said, you know what? I'd like you to build me a new house. He said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you $200,000, and you can buy the materials. And then after it's done, I'll give you the money for the labor. Well, the man calculated, and he said, you know what? If I cut a cute few corners here, if I use a little bit cheaper material here and cheaper roof and cheaper that, I can build this house for my friend at $160,000, pocket the 40, and then maybe ask for another 40 to 60 in labor. So he went and he built the house and he cut corners here, used a little bit of cheaper cement for the foundation, a little bit of, you know, cheaper paint and uh, cheaper wood and just just was able to save about $40,000. He cut corners and he cut the cost. Somehow or another, he was able to get a pass inspection and finally he walked up to the owner and, and uh, he handed the owners the keys to the house. He said, here is your new house. And the man looked at him, took one look at the house and said, it's a fine house. And he handed the keys back and he said, but I don't need another house. I only did this so that you could have your own house. The man looked at his friend and he said, man, if I'd have known that, I'd have built it better. That's integrity. We are building our own house. You want to cut corners and be cheap? Or you want to build it with the good stuff? I promise you, the good stuff is what gives you the most successful spirit-filled life. Amen? This all, integrity begins with what I mentioned in the very beginning. Who is the God that you serve? If it's Buddha, it's going to be one thing. If it's atheism, it's going to be one thing. If it's New Age, it's going to be one thing. If it's the stars, it's going to be another kind of integrity. If it's Jesus, it'll be his integrity. But if it's Jesus, you'll also get his reward, which is eternal life and a place in heaven, in God's house, and in God's kingdom. So this morning before we leave, I'd like to make an invitation for a response. For those of you who are like, you know what? I have cut a few too many corners. I want God to just 
convict me of that right now, and I want to repent and not cut any more corners. I've cut a few. I'm, I'm big enough to say it. I've cut a few, and I want God to deal with me right now. I'll tell you what, I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I've cut a few. Maybe not with church finances, but there's been areas in my life I've cut a few. If that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand right now. Say, you know what, I've cut a few. I want God to do some fresh conviction on my integrity. And then go ahead and repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask for forgiveness in the ways I have displeased you and not been integritous. Convict me. Show me. Restrain me. When I am going to be cheatful, dishonest, or manipulative, in Jesus' name. Put your hand down now. I want to make one more invitation. None of this works if you don't have the Holy Spirit. And you only get the Holy Spirit by making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. So this morning, if you'd like to say, you know what, Tom? I need to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I need to cross the fence I need to become a Christian, a born-again Christian, follow God. I want to go to heaven and not be afraid of dying or the judgment. Just go ahead and raise your hand up right now. Say, you know what, I want to, I want to get born again this morning. I want to get born again. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Why don't we just say it together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior, fill me with your spirit that I may serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.